Welcome back to American Scene, the show where we talk about movies with American in the title and what they have to say about American identity, culture, and values. My name is Ben Rosen. I'm Alan Austin. If you have anything you want to say about the show, any of our previous episodes, or anything we cover today, please connect with us on Twitter at AmericanScene underscore. Send us an email at AmericanScenePod at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram at AmericanScenePod. Today, we're flying across the pond for our first horror film. It's an American werewolf in London. Oh! We went from Wolfman Jack to Wolfman. <laughs> we sure did. We sure did. Can you, and then you did a pretty good impression of this one, too, so how about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, this is uh, celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, 1981, written and directed by John Lantis, coming off of Animal House and the Blues Brothers, stars... David Naughton, Jenny Agutter, Griffin Dunn, John Woodvine, and Frank Oz. The film won Rick Baker his first of seven Oscars. His most recent nomination and win was the 2010 The Wolfman, bringing it full circle. Uh, made about $30 million, adjusted for inflation, that's about 92 today. Critically acclaimed for its blend of horror and comedy, and of course for its practical effects. Uh, spawned also the 1997 sequel, An American Werewolf in Paris, which I will we may say for the minisode, we may, uh, maybe we'll check it out or at least watch the trailer like we did with uh, Graffiti. That starred Tom Everett Scott, Julie Delpy, and Julie Bowen. Wow. Uh, panned. Critically panned. This is like going from speed to speed, too. Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, well, what let's did you not th- spend any time on it right well, now. What did you think about uh, what did you think about the movie? Well, you know, you mentioned Frank Oz, and I remember seeing his name in the opening credits. And I'm like, oh, Frank Oz, and then it just occurred to me that I never even remembered him in the movie. Like, I don't r- realize who he played. Well, are you even prepared for what he looks like because you're so used to just hearing his voice uh, as puppetry or for his directorial well, the efforts? The only thing, yeah, and I think of him in like he was in Knives Out briefly. So like, where? <laughs> I was just he rewatching was, that the, the other day. <laughs> he's like the family lawyer. Okay. <laughs> if you watched the other day, you should know that. Um, I'm looking. Oh my god, his IMDb is like 85 million Sesame Streets in a row. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, it says it gives um, his character's name. I looked oh. it up on IMDb, but I don't know who that is in the. Oh my goodness. He's Miss Piggy. Well, yes, of course he's Miss Piggy, but he's another person also. Anyway, who's Mr. Collins? I, that's is he one of the, I, I don't know who's he, who Mr. <laughs> Collins is in the movie. My guess is he's like that mean guy at the bar who keeps threatening people to not like say anything. They didn't even have character names. The ones just like <laughs> if you if you look at the IMDb, it's like a uh, barmaid, chess player, dart player, uh, truck oh, driver. Okay. They don't even get names. <laughs> Frank Oz is the. Like the representative that comes in to talk to him while he's the, in the bed. The Tobias and he's like Fumke screaming. looking guy? Yes. He looks exactly yes. like Tobias Fumke. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yes, that's him. So there you go. Oh, anyway, folks, this was a fun movie. <laughs> <laughs> we don't mean to get Boz down in the land of Oz. Uh, but yes. By the way, when you said coming full circle, how do you not say coming full moon for Rick Baker? Uh, what a, what a miss Well, I think it's a waxing crescent right now. That's That's why. <laughs> <laughs> is this our first American film to be set entirely in another country? Yes, and I don't know that we'll be doing many others. I don't know how many others are on our list that kind of fall into the umbrella that, that we've we've made for ourselves. Because there's The American, the George Clooney movie. There's An American in Paris. 
and there is uh what was the other one uh that oh the quiet i feel the like quiet a- american but they're all none of those are adjectives they're all defining the character as an american not as like well they do that here too no american werewolf Mar- this is an adjective he's an american werewolf as opposed to you know all those british werewolves uh running around what about american animals is that based in america yes okay yeah great movie we'll get to that one soon i hope uh, but yeah, but what did you think of this movie besides the in- incredible, indelible Frank Oz who shows up for one scene? <laughs> this film is, I've seen it before, but not for like double digit years. And I, it was almost like I saw it with fresh eyes, kind of like when you see something as a kid as opposed to when you see it as an adult. And I got to say, it has its moments of greatness. The transformation scene I remember when I was a kid, we went to, as a kid, I was probably the last time we went, which would have been the summer after eighth grade. We went down to Universal, and I remember we went to like Monsters and Makeup Show, and the big attraction was the head from American Werewolf in London that expands, whereas like his schnoz comes out, and it was, they showed how the contraption worked, and it was awesome. Like the transformation scene is really good. His acting is great. Like, I I don't know this actor in anything other than this movie, and I feel like he was tailor-made for this role, and then I've never seen him again. Uh, this, this film's really good, I have to say. Like, it's a really good movie. The humor, it's almost funnier than it is scary. So, like, that's what's really good about this film, is that it lays in the humor so naturally. The two lead actors, Griffin Dunn and uh, David Naughton, have a wonderful chemistry together. Like, top-notch. And Nurse Price, played by Jenny Agutter, I want to say. Just everyone in this film was perfectly cast. I really love John Woodvine as the doctor. And, you know, just, and that's what it's fun. What's fun about this movie is that the humor is there, but when it wants to get violent and when it wants to get scary, it goes there. Yeah. Like it's not a tongue in cheek in any way, shape or form when the horror is supposed to be happening. No. And all those set pieces are really, really well done. And all of the the nightmare scenes, the visions that he's having when it's kind of starting to to percolate. Uh, but yeah, the relationship between the two guys is so well established, the rapport, the humor, it, it all comes through so well, it really grounds this movie. Um, as, as you know, horrific as it is, as funny as it is, it does feel very grounded in who these characters are. And his whole, not just the, the physical transformation, but the the mental journey, the the emotional journey that he goes on feels very, very believable. Um, for a guy experiencing something that nobody else is aware of, nobody else believes, and and like uh, uh, he's just starting to understand himself. It's it's all very very well done. Yeah, there's a couple out of nowhere moments, like when the werewolf is suddenly in the subway, like just like where did that come from? Kind of sets like uh, moments, but they all work. In fact, I think the subway scene is super effective. Absolutely, and when you see him at the base of the escalator creeping into the shot terrifying yeah like absolutely intimidating and terrifying yeah it takes its it's, time uh with that sort of stuff yeah there's also like the porno theater scene i don't know why it's set in there uh but it was a little distracting in the moment i didn't think it was necessary i think it was just maybe a way to get some you know nudity (laughs) in the production i don't know but 
that scene, other than it being in a porno theater where the the character who is in theory, it's it, you know, it's hard to tell reality from fantasy in this film, which is a nice touch. But when uh, Griffin Dunn's character Jack is telling David that he needs to kill himself, and here's all the people who agree with me, all the people you've killed. It's a really gory but wonderful scene. And one touch I really enjoyed was that the blonde couple are still their chipper selves from when we saw them in life. I think this movie really balances comedy and horror quite well. Yeah, even the comedy in the porno scene. <laughs> He's like, I, yeah. I've never oh, seen this yeah. before in my life. <laughs> so that was funny. That was funny. That that was funny for sure. Yeah, well, I think actually could could it be a callback to Taxi Driver, right? Because he goes to the porno theater, he brings What's-Her-Name there, and it's like, anyway, but I think... Um, Sybil Shepard, how dare you say What's-Her-Name? Well, I was going to go with the character you... name, but I couldn't come up with the character name. Betsy. Doesn't matter. You put respect. Is it Betsy? <laughs> I think it is. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think maybe he went there because he's feeling so depraved. He's killed all these people. He's in you know such dire straits. He goes there thinking... Well, if I'm going to kill anybody, maybe I'll be killing other depraved individuals who are at this point. Maybe that's what he's thinking, you know, that it's like, well, it's okay if I kill them, maybe. Or that's like, that's how how fucked up his mental state is at that point. Um, be, you mentioned this, yeah, I, we haven't done a, a an American movie that doesn't take place in America. And so I was like, well, how how are we going to address, like, does this touch on ideas relevant to american culture uh and uh, one thing you texted me about was like this is actually a really interesting portrait of dealing with mental illness and how people respond to somebody going through some sort of episode i think he's a manic depressive here he goes from a very depressive episode to to a manic episode um it's it's really interesting uh so tell me more how you came to that. Sure. Well, you know, I spend a lot of time reading about and, you know, circling the mental health, you know, all the dynamics to it and yada, yada, yada. And it the first thing I thought is um, not believing somebody's pain, not believing their situation because it's not understood by someone else. And I think that the doctor character by coming around and never really doubting David He's always kind of like open to whatever David's going through. I think that shows like how a, a trained physician should be the one to believe and help. And everyone else who doesn't understand is just like writing this person off. And it's it's it starts with the beginning of the transformation. He's suffered a huge trauma. He, he watched his friend get killed. He even ran away from it. He did not help his friend. You know, it was, he feels a ton of guilt about his friend dying, and he's got these PTSD moments, and he's got this overwhelming shame, and he's manifesting it into these visions. Now, in the movie, the visions are theoretically real, and they they lead to him becoming a werewolf. But if you look at the film in a symbolic sense, he feels guilt for the tragedy. He thinks it's his fault. He manifests all these ideas of anger and just like i don't know i don't know another word just he feels really terrible and he's punishing himself oh and guilt yeah survivor's remorse yeah, for sure survivor's remorse and it's very interesting that a lot of characters don't believe him and don't understand his pain which is where a lot of people who suffer from mental illness 
can't get related to. I know that's not the most articulate way to say it, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, the the doctor ends up being open to it only after something terrible happens. Um, but, I, the, but the idea is he investigates it. Like, he doesn't just close the book on David as a... Uh, as a quote unquote crazy person, he wants to see what David's going through and see what exactly puzzle pieces need to be put together. Right. Well, uh, only after he leaves the hospital, you know, and I think one line that was interesting that stuck out to me, of course, is when he's kind of, uh, you know, patting him on the back and, and saying, you know, why don't you just stay sane until you're no longer our responsibility? You know, you're going to leave the hospital in a couple of days. So just like, w- once, once you get out of here, then, then you can go crazy. Uh, and I'm like, you know, if 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 he's thinking that there may be something wrong, like you got to keep him there. But, you know, then that comes into uh, brings into the conversation like the uh, uh, resources, the mental health resources that are available. And obviously we're we have an issue with uh, getting mental health resources to the people who need it, uh, you know, accessing medical care in this country of of any kind is is difficult so you know there there can be a a push by people to just say well we're going to treat you for what you came in with you know this is what happened this is what we believe and you know you're on your own after this did you get a good look at the man who attacked you doctor i told you it wasn't a man it it was an animal a, a big wolf or something a rabid dog let's have a look shall we Look, Dr. Hirsch, I know I was traumatized, but Jack was torn apart. I saw him. A man can't do that to someone with his bare hands. You'd be surprised what horrors a man is capable of. Did you see Jack? No. And in fact, your wounds had been cleaned and dressed before you arrived here. Well, did you talk to the police in East Proctor? Did the cops go to the slaughtered lamb? I really don't know. Then why the hell are you so quick to disbelieve me? You think I'm crazy? David, please, the police are satisfied. I'm certain if there were a monster roaming around northern England, we'd have seen it on the telly. Now, you'll be leaving this hospital in three or four days. Please, remain sane. At least until you're no longer our responsibility. That's a good point. And, and, you know, I kind of forgot about the fact that he says that line. But I think on the grand scheme of things, he corrects himself. Like, he he tries to right any wrongs that may have been done. And Nurse Price, to her credit, doesn't ever think of David as someone who shouldn't be loved. Like, he went through this trauma, he's doing some off-the-wall things, but she sees who he is deep down and is like, treats him as if he's any other person. I think that's very important when you deal with characters with mental health issues, even though this is not directly hitting it on the head. I think it's curious how she is, you know, aware of what he's going through, that he has lost this friend and is, is it's almost a, attracted to him because of that, like seeing a wounded puppy and kind of like this savior complex thing. And she's a nurse, obviously, and, and maybe doesn't see exactly the depths of what's really going on there and doesn't, you know, at no point does she really prod and say like, oh, you two were really close, and how long did you know each other? Where did you first meet? Like, there's no processing of the life he's lost by anyone else around him. That's true. I feel like you're... I feel like I'm having different, like, interpretations of some of the stuff, which is good, which is good. Like, I I guess I just had... I sat thinking about it after that. Like, I liked Nurse Price, and I liked the doctor, but I also liked David. I I liked all the characters, and I didn't think any of them had a malicious bone in their body, 
of the main four. Well, not at all. I think I, I think we can both be right. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like ultimately, you know, you see a friend who's hurting, or somebody you've just met and formed this relationship with, and you might not know how to address those things, um, and you might not be aware of the the depth of the issue until something terrible happens until they become uh the, until they have the potential to harm themselves or others um and so once that does become clear then uh they they take the appropriate actions uh but but by then it's also too late so i think there's that level of commentary too where it's like you should uh, uh, believe what people are telling you when they're saying that they're in pain or they're or they're dealing with something and and making sure that the right resources are available right and and um not and before it's too late i mean there's the scene where david's crying out for help like literally crying out for help trying to get arrested and they just brush him off like it's a lot of ignored signs and this film deals a lot with morality as well i mean right from jump when david and jack leave the bar you have a half the room says help them, half the room says doesn't. And that's kind of an American concept. Like, if it's not our problem, why should we deal with it? That's a lot of people's point of view in this country. So, you know, I don't want to jump into American moments, but I thought the bar in general represented, like, the duality of point of view in America. You have people who think that those need to fend for themselves and worry about themselves. And then you have the other half of the room who wants to help the others who may not know what they're getting into. And it's a, it's right off the bat, there's a lot of stuff going on in this film. Yeah, you also have in that bar scene the, the urban-rural divide. There's a couple moments in the film that kind of show this where you know, those in the country out, out out in the moors do things a little bit differently and believe in, in different sorts of phenomena that may not be taken seriously by the more, you know, quote unquote, like elites, you know, the, the more educated, you know, the, the doctor, they don't, you know, pay him any mind when he comes in. Uh, you know, they're, they're afraid that any, any outsiders coming in are going to judge them, you know, think that they're fools for believing in this stuff when it's been such a core part of their identity for so long. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's definitely, you know, you could do, uh, where, you know, American werewolf and do it in, Mm -hmm. in, in America, not leave off the, the, in London part, um, and, uh, and, and do it here and, and kind of be able to touch on some of these similar things. Yeah, I, I think um, when the first when the werewolf kills Jack in the beginning and they shoot him, you see the man lying there not as a werewolf but as a man, and the police report it as a lunatic. And the first thing I thought was, here's somebody who was misunderstood being written off as a lunatic. And like David, once we get to know the man, you realize it's a lot deeper. So it's kind of telling you like. Just because someone may do something a little crazy, a little off the wall, quote unquote, or, you know, perceived as get to know the person behind it, get to understand where their actions are coming from, get to understand what led them to that point in their life. And that's very important. Right. And not, you know, recognize that they are a danger to themselves, a danger to others, but that it's it's treatable, that that they shouldn't be, you know, that killing them is not the answer, you know. Right. Another piece that I found interesting is when ultimately the doctor does realize what a danger David poses to the public, he says, well, I think we should call the police. And right there in that moment, I'm like, well, if we have learned anything 
I mean, we've learned plenty about the police over the past year and a half, but like they are not equipped to deal with people experiencing a mental episode and probably will resort to some level of violence and and may end up killing them. So that's 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 you can't say that you can't jump to that conclusion just on a general sense. But what you can police aren't equipped to deal with mental health. That's absolutely no that 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 (laughs) they would kill him right off the bat. No, no, no. I'm not saying that they would kill him right off the bat, but that, that, you know, they are trained to, police are trained to deal with situations with violence more often than any sort of care or compassion. I mean, that's, Mm. I mean, if you look at how, how, how much time they spend in sort of de-escalation versus like weapons training, things like that. This is just things that I've educated myself on. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know enough. I, I wouldn't, I don't know. I don't have a comment on that because I don't know the ins and outs. It's like why wouldn't they? You know, he's a werewolf. Why wouldn't they call like animal control? You know, I get what it's, you're it's, it's like it's it's a strange. And anyway, yeah. By the way, real quick, I want to jump back before we jump even further. Uh, the doctor character, right off the bat, you know you like him because there's that other nurse who makes the inappropriate comments, and he properly chastises her. <laughs> and I applauded the screen at that moment. I thought that was a great touch. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, was a funny moment for me as a Jew. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I think we, we there's there's more to talk about sort of the the generational differences that I that I noticed uh, in the film because you also you have uh, the doctor being willing to kind of say stay sane until you're out of here, you know, at, at least until you're not our responsibility any, anymore, and the nurse who's willing to continue looking after him, uh, this younger woman, uh, and then you have the uh, older detective who shuts down the younger detective anytime he speaks up, um, and so you have these, a younger generation being more open-minded, um, being more willing to spend uh, time to figure things out and not just, you know, close the case, you know, wipe the slate clean, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, and certainly with regard to generational differences in in mental health, an older generation is quick to say, you know, be a man, keep a stiff upper lip, you know, just just deal with it. Uh, and, and and clearly David can't do that. You know, David, mm-hmm. David has experienced this trauma and, and he's looking for help. Yeah. Now, I, I, I have in all caps here, love the doctor performance and character. I also really love David, Jack, Nurse Price. I think everyone hits all the right notes here. I think the film's written really well. I'm trying to think if there's any symbolism or hidden messaging in the choice of victims that David has by the writers. Or if it's just like he's in a certain neighborhood and those are the people who are there. Like, is there any ulterior motive by Landis by having that class of people be the victims? Because he also has homeless people killed. So he mixes it up. Like, he has like, I don't know if he's not, you know, if if there is a point or if there isn't. But I think he's trying to say that society, all walks of life, all levels, you know, no matter your income status, people have to deal with the same problems. In, in in mental health and in other way, I don't know. I'm 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 thinking out loud here. Yeah, yeah, no. I because I thought about that too. Because the the first people that we see get killed are like these upper class, you know, your your typical, you know, British, uh, you know, a uh, uh, couple socialites, like, socialites. Yeah, yeah. I, I, 
they're they're like, oh, we're gonna go around back and and give give them a fright, you know, and they're they're gonna go have like a dinner party or something. It's just very yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what's uh, what he's trying to say by that because there's also the guy in the tube station who yeah. uh, feels the same way. You know, he hears yeah. the. Um, so I wonder if it's you know maybe it's it might the, not be anything. Well, <laughs> well, you know, early '80s London looks a lot like you know '70s New York, where you've got the porno theaters, you've got the you know risque advertisements in the tube, and so maybe the werewolf is more a representation of this like you know, urban danger that is sort of, like, festering, you know, the the worst parts of society are allowed to, like, kind of deteriorate and um, metastasize? Is that the right word I'm, I'm thinking of? Anyway, become, like, a, a mortal danger, you know, to polite society, right? So hmm. so maybe, th- maybe there's that element of it. Yeah, another thought I had, and this is really out there, this, like, when they're on the train the first time, you see that punk rock crew and he's mocking them he's making fun of them so in theory you could say that once he turns into a werewolf and he has the more animalistic killer instincts he goes to a place of people where people he didn't respect and just like naturally goes for them and that's why the guy becomes a victim in the subway because earlier in the film he was mocking those he saw in the subway he didn't respect them it's just an out there theory i just had so i don't know well or maybe the punk's Maybe he's looking for like a, a kinship. I mean, maybe he's just looking. He's a werewolf, and he's looking for like darkness That's, in the in the subway. But like, maybe he's looking for yeah. a kinship among people who like also don't fit. He in. thinks are freaks. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe maybe that's it, and that's why he again like you know takes the uh, takes his uh, anger and rage out on uh, uh, folks who are of a more polite society, a more polite class. Uh, maybe yeah. that's a great. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great idea. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation for sure. Um, something that you said, or, or I forget when we were texting before this about, you know, the guilt literally tearing up him apart. I think there's also a broader point to make about dealing with history, dealing with the truth of our past in order to heal. Um, that's something that we're going through in this country continually, but certainly uh, uh, over the past year and a half and the conversation about, uh, you know, the 1619 project and critical race theory and all this sort of stuff and, and the debate over like what we teach our kids, you know? So, so there's, you know, a bit of an element there as well of if we don't confront our history, if we don't confront the truth of how we got here and, and the, the trauma that we hold, it'll, it'll tear us apart. We'll, we'll destroy ourselves or, or we'll become a danger to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Um, moving on to a new topic, I really enjoyed the idea that Nurse Price was into him in an in a purely carnal way. Like they really make that that love scene just like kind of like just like it 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 felt tame for what they wanted to do. I felt like I felt like they wanted to feel really animalistic, and she was like really into like like he was letting off these pheromones or something that were like. You know what I mean? I think that's what they were going for. So, uh, very matter of factly, she's just like, "I find you very attractive, <laughs> and um, we should get in the shower now together." <laughs> and I found the <laughs> I found this sex scene almost as like strangely cut as American Gigolo. <laughs> that sex scene. It was a. It went like on for very, like a, a, a minute and a half too long. Also, you cut to like different random shots in the shower, and then there's like different random shots in the bed and it's just like there's no cohesiveness to it it's a very weird sex it scene. is 
It is. Uh, but you know, it, it's it's uh, she is she is hook, line, and sinker for this guy. And you know, he they even do the bit where she's wearing his college tee. Like they 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 ham it up real quick. I the only thing I didn't love about their relationship was. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, I'm not going to say what I would say because I changed my mind in this very moment. So I won't even bring it up, but I I thought there was a lot. Teasing me. I'm sorry. Well, I was gonna say I don't like that they said I love you, but the guy's facing probable death, and I guess I'd say something like that too. Well, so I have no problem with it. That actually brings me to something I wanted to mention before we jump into whatever else in American moments and, and stuff like that, but. Uh, I mentioned that, you know, he seems manic, like a manic depressive. He goes from this depressive episode where he's stuck in the hospital, then he's stuck at home. He doesn't go out the whole time that she's away at work, doesn't go anywhere, can't eat, is barely sleeping, mm-hmm. uh, like clearly, you know, symptoms of depression, uh, can't focus on anything. And then he screams like, I'm I, like, I can't take it, like I'm burning up like this. And that's right before the transformation. After he binges, he comes home and he's super enthusiastic. He's like, he he wants to make love to her. He's like, how, how about a quickie before or whatever? And then and then that's when he like is having the episode with the cop and like, you should arrest me. You should arrest me. And that's when he says, I love you. Come on, David. Look, come on. I want you to arrest me, you asshole. It's not cool for that kind of language. Queen Elizabeth is a man. Prince Charles is a faggot. Winston Churchill is bullshit. That's enough. No. David, please! Shakespeare's French! Fuck! Shit! Cut! Shit! Come on, that's enough. David, please! Who is this person? If you don't stop this disturbance, I shall arrest you. That's what I want you to do, you moron! He's very upset. His friend was killed. Will you shut up? All right, it's quite enough. Come on, about your business, both of you. Come on. You're not going to arrest me? Don't you think you should arrest me? I don't know. Perhaps he thinks it's a prank. Frank! David! Look, I've had enough of this foolishness. All right, come on, there's nothing to see. Come on, move along. It's hopeless. Come on. Let's go. Leave me alone. You people are crazy. I gotta do so. I gotta get out of here. David, don't lose control. Control? What control? Jack was real. He tried to warn me, and I thought I was crazy. David. I love you. What? I love you. I... But I think I did some terrible things last night, things I can't remember. David, let's go and see Dr. Hirsch. No, you've got to stay away from me. Huh? David, I can help you. No, I'm not safe to be with. You've got to stay away from me. I love you, Alex. And so you have this, this, these, these two different personalities coming out of what, who is someone who is clearly uh, mentally ill. Yes, and, and signs of addiction as well, by, based on that behavior. Well, like sex so, addiction? Just addiction, addictive personality where you, you get bored when you're not doing the thing you want to do and you don't realize it and you just wait for the moment you can. Oh, that that I think is, yeah, that's part of the mania, I think. Yeah. And yeah, and the, they even do a montage to Bad Moon Rising while he's bored and I loved every second of it. I was going to mention that because first of all, love the soundtrack. It's basically every song has moon in the title i, I don't know that every one of them <laughs> it's, does it's a little heavy it's, a handed, of, it's but... very heavy-handed but yeah uh but we that's our second appearance of bad moon rising do you remember okay, the other yes. movie i want to say it's the tom cruise movie it should be in there but actually it's it's not which one is it you should know it's one of our favorites is it american flyers sure is wow sure i don't remember is. it's when i think it's the scene when the like the bad guy shows up the evil oh, the- <laughs> the evil dude with yeah. Robert Townsend at his side. Yeah. Um, 
I also want to say, like, before they ever have the the love scene, the sex scene, there's a line that he goes, do you live alone? And she goes, yeah. He goes, good. I'm like, calm down there, buddy. (laughs) Like, calm down. Um, You know, this film also is very, very meta. I mean, they reference Universal Studios. They, the Muppets actually say, you call that violence art? Like, nice. I totally didn't catch that. About, I didn't catch that. Yeah. It's really smart. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there was something going on in the Muppet Show, and they're like, "You call that violence art?" And I was like, "Oh, another self-referencing line." Um, speaking of meta, did you like the multi-car pileup of the <laughs> or the crazy car crash that happens? Because <laughs> insane like a year after Blues Brothers does the does the multi-car pileup. Um, so I guess that's just like a thing John Landis loves is just a bunch of cars crashing into each other in an insane fashion. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. And, and I, I know people would knock the, uh, look of the werewolf, but remember it's 1981 and they kept it practical. I thought it was great. I think so. I thought it was great too. Um, one of the most, uh, terrifying, uh, segments uh, of the film is the Nazi demons that, come into the like oh, when, yeah. he's, when he's dreaming about his family and and speaking of like trauma like this is a young guy whose parents were certainly you know alive if not you know survivors of the holocaust potentially we i mean it, that's that's a very like a, a very visceral thing to include in your film where your protagonist is jewish and and uh named as jewish like like it's 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 mentioned a handful of times and there's a menorah in the in that sequence yeah. so it's like there's there's you know potentially generational trauma there as well you know at least yeah it's you know if, if if not if his parents weren't in the holocaust i mean they're still jews who have survived that period of world history and american history so his grandparents could have been you never know certainly yeah uh yeah that i would say that that's the hardest scene in the film to watch for me even like the transformation you're in awe the whole time that scene you're just like uneasy yeah and and there's also that great jump scare with the makeup, with the yellow eyes. And uh, just so I remember that as a kid, that scared me as a kid. It didn't scare me this time, but it still looks phenomenal. Yeah. And I, I want to talk. They also do the fake out uh, when he wakes up from the nightmare of the Nazi demons. And then the, the nurse is there and she goes into the shower. And, and there's again. the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. And I want to talk before we get into like American moments. I I do want to talk about the Jack character, because I think Griffin Dunn is fantastic in this film. And this is when, you know, pre Scorsese giving him a a shot and, and he's now in, I think he's in succession now. Or billions. He's in one of those shows as a recurring character. I, uh, you know, I look it up right now. Oh, he never did an episode of succession. Okay, yeah, he did an episode of succession. And if I remember correctly, he played like some hippy dippy lawyer. He's a doctor. Hippity, I don't know. I don't Something remember. Something like that. Yeah, but but I'm glad he's still acting. I'm glad he's like because he's wonderful. He really is. He he's gonna be in the French. Di- he sure is. Too. I just saw that. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So I, I just a uh, really wonderful performance. Like I said, great chemistry with David Naughton, and I just like. The makeup also in so it they did the law of threes with him. He shows up three times as a zombie, warning David of the same thing each time he has to kill himself, which is just emotional on so many levels. Like it it is a manifestation of David in his head, theoretically. And that being said, David I don't know why David would feel his friend would want to kill himself, but he feels this 
this much guilt, this much heaviness. And every time Jack shows up, he looks worse and worse until the end when he's almost like just like a corpse. He's skeletal, and, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, the performance is just unbelievable. It, it really is like, you wouldn't think that wonderful acting would come out of this movie being the way it is, but from jump, the chemistry is real, the line deliveries are flawless, every nuance is hit well. I, I was, I'm super impressed with this movie. David! What? Now, I'm really sorry to be upsetting you, but I have to warn you. Warn me? We were attacked by a werewolf. I'm not listening to this. On the moors, we were attacked by a lycanthrope, a werewolf. I was murdered, an unnatural death. And now I walk the earth in limbo until the werewolf's curse is lifted. Shut up. The wolf's bloodline must be severed. The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. It's you, David. What? Please believe me. You'll kill people. Nurse! Listen to me! Nurse! The supernatural. <laughs> The power of darkness, it's all true. The undead surround me. Have you ever talked to a corpse? It's boring. I'm lonely. Take your life, David. Kill yourself. Before you kill others. Please don't cry. It's so natural. Yeah. All the, yeah, the, the, the way they deal with the the story at hand um they yeah. could be in american buffalo the, as the two leads oh sure sure wait who's who is griffin, griffin dunn, dunn would yeah. yeah 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 that makes sense that makes sense um we'll make the doctor play bobby that would that's how we would do it or frank <laughs> yeah. oz frank oz would play bobby um <laughs> i was just gonna mention that the second time he shows up is another shower uh you know jump scare where he turns the uh, mirror and and he's in the mm-hmm. he's in the stall after that scene uh they go into the kitchen they're talking whatever and then uh alex wakes up uh and comes in he says i heard voices not were, were you talking to somebody or like were you on the phone or something like that but i heard voices which means obviously griffin dunn wasn't really there jack wasn't there so that means another element of his psychosis is this this uh mental episode he's having is also hallucinations and or split personality Mm -hmm. like he's i think people who have suicidal ideation do view it as a relief from the pain that they are experiencing the trauma that they are experiencing this this the the emotional pain so it's the all of that tracks that you have to kill yourself you have to kill yourself uh before you harm others Right. right, and before all you, three times put that trauma onto somebody else. Yep, and all three times that he visits David, David is vulnerable in a sense. He's either in a hospital bed, mm. he's naked, you know, he's butt naked in the second scene when he's super vulnerable, and the third's when he's on the run out of fear. So when he's at his lowest, he has yeah. these manifestations in his head. Sure, absolutely. Whew. Well, that is a. <clears throat> Quite a time to uh, for us to roll into our American moments. They're playing our song. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> talk about some uh, more uh, fun stuff, lighter stuff uh, before we uh, before we wrap this up. Um, what do you got? 
our American moments in London. Uh, first one, the the backpacking through Europe is something that Americans love to talk about doing. I, I, I know every country has people backpacking through X country, but Americans backpacking through Europe is a concept I've grown up with hearing about. So that is definitely an American moment. That is something that is of the culture. Yeah. Definitely. And then uh, the whole Texas, remember the Alamo, the joke about the U.S., like that whole segment is wonderful. Uh, And I love that joke that the guy tells, Uh, just like a perfect, it's not even a very good joke. It's probably one he's told a million times. And I love the way he tells it. He's super enthusiastic and the whole bar erupts. It's just like, it's, it's great. You know, my wife and I recently went to Austin and we went down to San Antonio where the Alamo is. Did you go to the, did you go to the basement? Is that a joke? Oh, you're, yeah. You're supposed to say there's no basement at the Alamo. It's, for, it's from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie ever, honestly. So, um, but it was it was cool. It's definitely way smaller than you would imagine it being. So no basement. But, yeah. No basement. It, 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 I want. I made a joke to myself where it was smaller than I thought it would be, and I went, I don't remember it like that. <laughs> but. Uh. But uh, it was cool. But um, yeah, the Alamo stuff I had written down. Um, My other American moment is just the college t-shirt. NYU to represent he's from he's he's from New York. You know, he's uh, lets her wear his t-shirt. They show it NYU. Boom. Yeah, I was also going to say, uh, when you mentioned backpacking through Europe, I think another quintessentially American thing is being really obnoxious while you're doing it. (laughs) Like, while you're there, like, you have these two obnoxious Americans, like, in the middle of the very quiet, peaceful, serene countryside, singing obnoxious, like, Italian songs into the night. Like, they're talking about sex, they're, you know, they're not following the rules that the locals gave them, you know, like, they're not, they're being those, like, oh, we're, we're, we'll be fine, we're gonna do it, whatever we want, because, because we're Americans in London. (sighs) Um, I think that's it for me. Maybe, uh, yeah, I, clearly I'm missing a big one based on your reaction. Oh, well, you missed the American flag. No, I'm kidding. There was ab- obviously no American <laughs> flag here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the Muppets, Mickey Mouse. Uh, hi, David. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're kind of jumping that. on my uh, my rating by mentioning that. You're spoiling oh, well, it a little it's bit. It's a moment. It's a, it's a, it's a moment. Yeah. Alf, um. I said the doctor saying we should call the police uh, as as an American moment. Um, the little boy in the park, just because I know you wanted to talk oh, about that. You got to. Yeah, we got to use that quote. I don't know who you are. I'm uh, the famous balloon thief. Why would a thief want to give me two pounds? Here, I'll explain it to you. Thank you. Yes, sir? A naked American man stole my balloon. What? It almost feels like an American moment because, like, is this how we picture little British boys in, like, a suit (laughs) (laughs) with balloons (laughs) at at the zoo? Like, it's just so, like, they cast, like, the perfect little innocent blonde British kid. Like, it's it's pitch perfect, so. (laughs) Also, why does he steal the balloons? (laughs) 
to hide his nakedness. Like he wasn't gonna. Uh. Was he gonna take the kid's jacket? The jacket's not gonna fit. <laughs> you know. Uh, oh my there God. was um, there was also another thing I wanted to write down. There was a great line. I don't remember who says it, but I typed it: "Carnivorous lunar activities." To describe him eating the people overnight. I think one of the cops says it. Yeah, it must he had be. Car- must carnivorous be. lunar activities. Um, the, 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 it's not an American moment. I'm just going through my... I, I thought the end was a weird tone for the end credits. Oh, yeah. What song do they use? I forgot. I forget too, but I remember being like put off by it. Like, that doesn't really fit. That's it, my that's my like thought. Yeah, I, I I think it was I don't know. You wouldn't want to end it like yes, like obviously it ends and he's dead, and you're like, well, you can't end a movie that has blended horror and comedy like on that note, and just and like have the Elmer Bernstein score come in with the with the strings and have it, like I'd feel weirder walking out and being like that was fun but then the ending just left me like really uneasy yeah like like, i'm glad walking out like humming that song being like ah that was a fun time you know sure but i think it was maybe i i i saw it as jarring like it was a quick jump from david being killed best shot a cop has ever taken by the way when they pull back to reveal was this (laughs) wanted was this angelina jolie's uh curving the bullet around (laughs) because like when they they showed First of all, they make David and Alex seem really close. Then David like lunges forward. A shot comes and gets him. They pull back. She's far down an alley, and David's further. And there's nobody else in the alley. So I'm like, maybe a rooftop shot, but they don't show that. So I don't know. It was no, it was like a whole whatever. firing it's... line. It was like a. It was yeah. It was very strange. Very it's strange nitpicking. Setup. Also, it's um, fine. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, there was no American flag, but. In the scene where he's like having that episode with the cop and he's like, arrest me, arrest me. Red, white, and blue is how he's dressed. It's oh, like really? A red, white, and blue, red, white, and blue plaid shirt with a uh, coat with like one of those, uh, the red puffy coat on top. All right. Uh, yeah. Also, what was with that news of the world segment? I loved it. I thought it was so funny. I I, I, <laughs> I, I wrote that in my notes. Love. I was going to bring it up on the mini-sode, but we'll, we'll, since you okay, brought it up. We'll it. Save it, no, we'll save it for the mini-sode and we'll play the clip then. And okay, so we'll yeah. just tease you. Yeah, strange. Uh, uh, by the way, if you have Peacock, you can stream it on Peacock. It's October, you know, before uh, Halloween. You should definitely uh, watch this movie. And what do you give it for a rating? Okay, I give it three and a half Disney statues. Out of because out of four out of four, five out of, out of four out of four okay, out of four. okay I okay. really I really like this movie but they they keep popping up Mickey and Minnie in the same pose so I guess Alex has like an infatuation with the Disney characters and they're 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 definitely levity but it's also like you notice them so he wanted them there for a reason so I'm giving it three and a half Disney statues okay I like it um, I'm giving it also. Three and a half out of four puffy coats. A lot of puffy coats. A lot of puffy coats. And I'm just like, if you're looking at the backpack, like he's got more than one. Yeah. More than one he's, puffy coat. Because the first he's one he's Doug wearing, funny. I think is. So I don't know how he fits multiple puffy coats in that small <laughs> a, a pack. But anyway, maybe he stopped by a, a, a store and, and bought more. He went to the puffy coats. coats. Or he talked to Sean Puffy Coats. <laughs> oh my God. anyway ben i love this movie very good it's a great movie it's a great movie and that's a wrap on an american werewolf in london 
Thanks so much for listening. If you like what we're doing, please give us a rating, leave a positive review. You can give us your unfiltered opinion on Twitter at AmericanScene underscore. And if you'd like to follow either of your patriotic co-hosts, I'm Ben Rosen on Twitter at NotThatBenRosen. I'm Alan Austin at Alan underscore Austin underscore. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.